passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You're listening to the NWA, the Nubian Wrestling Advocates. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Yo. It's Righteous Reg. It's a case for the safe, keep a space for the Nubians. Unfiltered, off kilter, the professor, the godfather, post wrestling, the NWA, not oh, keep guessing, huh? The views and expressions, you know the rest, it's pop excellence, get the message. Advocates for Nubian wrestling, you're listening to the best again. Black wrestling in the ring, we invested in. Nubian kings and queens, we invested in. It's for the culture and we repping it. the culture and we repping it welcome to the nwa podcast the nubian wrestling advocates the show all about getting color in the professional wrestling business i am one of your hosts the godfather nate milton welcome to our very first episode here on post wrestling for those of you that may have only Heard the show through our interactions with you guys on post-podcast day earlier this year. The NWA podcast is something that's been going on for two years over at the Kings of Sport Patreon. And you can still check out the archives over there at patreon.com backslash the Kings of Sport. But now, much like Tim Hardaway or Allen Iverson or that young man, Trader Barge, we hitting y'all with the crossover because we coming from the Kings of Sport Patreon to post wrestling and we are now officially a part of the post wrestling family so allow us to reintroduce ourselves starting with my tag team partner my right hand man the angry intellectual himself he hails from the city of angels y'all give it up for the professor chris from la aka chris ely chris what's going on brother welcome to the new era of the nwa podcast get in color in the pro- i see what you did there You see see it's levels to this game, baby. It's levels. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. It's good good being here. Uh, Thank you, Nate. Uh, This, like, when we talked about this some years ago, um, who'd have thought we would uh, make it all the way to uh, the post office, right? I mean, Mm. uh, I'm I'm, I'm excited about what's to come. And uh, um, if you guys at home can see me at home, I'm I'm rocking. Um, uh, I look like Frederick Douglass Jr. Uh, <laughs> right now. My fro is a little off kilter, uh, but um, <laughs> yeah, I'll worry about that later. 
<laughs> hey, but, but you're looking good, brother. We healthy. We still here in the midst of everything going on in the world. And we are so uh, happy to be able to bring the podcast to an even bigger audience here at Post Wrestling. And so some things are going to change with the show, but a lot of what has become kind of the template for the NWA podcast is going to remain the same. And so in that vein, we are going to keep one thing the same, and that is bringing on a friend of the program, a family member of, of this podcast. But we're going to give him a different job. We're going to give him a different role, uh, a promotion, if you will, Chris. Uh, and so let us bring in our new official NWA podcast news anchor, the man that's going to tell you all of the things going on in the world of pro wrestling, the man that's going to give you the straight scoop of what's going on in these streets. Y'all give it up for my nephew, the youngest in charge. You know him from post-wrestling, Bush being Thompson, all these shows out here, Andrew Thompson interviews. Ladies and gentlemen, the youngest in charge, Andrew Thompson with the news. What's going on, brother? Nate and Chris, my my, my, my two uncles, man. I'm honored to be on the on the debut show. Uh, cheap, cheap plug before before we get into everything. Everybody got got to go check out the show that Nate and, and Nate and Chris and I and I did a couple years back. I believe it was for sure one of my favorite podcasts of all time on the Kings of Sport Patreon. I think it's a free show up there. Yeah. Le- legit, legit, one of the best shows I've ever been a part of. Yeah, two, two of my favorite people on the uh, on the po- on the Post Network, man. So I'm, I'm excited and uh, thank both of you for for having me on. No doubt, my brother. No doubt, like it's the perfect fit, man. Because you know, right. not only not only did you come up with us from day one, you know, you've been part of this show since day one back at the old Kings of Sport uh, Patreon. But but now, you know, it, it, I feel like it's the perfect mix, man. Because you know, you you, you one of the up and coming newsmen in this game, one of the up and coming <laughs> journalists, man. You know, you, right. you you got next, man. You 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 you, you gonna get that torch from John Pollock one day. So uh, we, <laughs> we definitely wanted to have you as a part of this show, man. No, yeah, man. I, and I appreciate you for uh, doing that show with us, man. And like, like much respect because I don't know if I can consume as much wrestling as you and no, Pollock. Can't nobody do it like and, like Andrew and, and Joe Poe. And, and maintain my sanity, man. Like when I was watching, we'll get into it. But when I saw um, my man almost with the yard bird yesterday, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I was like, why am I still <laughs> watching this shit? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm entering middle age, man. This 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 can't be life right now. He was like Danny Glover, man. I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> oh man, but but yeah, we we are glad to have you as a part of this uh, next chapter in the uh, Nubian Wrestling Advocates, Andrew. So uh, without any further ado, we are gonna let you go to work. Let let you do what you do, brother. Uh, what's what's going on with the news? Well, well the the biggest story uh, coming out of the last 24 hours on this uh, as we're recording this on this June 9th uh, afternoon. Uh, one, one Leo Rush, who is uh, who is very well experienced and has been has done a lot of professional wrestling in his uh short time in the business uh he suffered a a tear in his shoulder and it was uh you know apparently really really bad and he described it on uh on his personal instagram page that it got to a point where he couldn't even hold up his newborn as we all know leo rush debuted uh for aew at the double or nothing pay-per-view in the casino battle royal he got injured in that match 
And, um, you know, he announced his retirement from professional wrestling uh, some days after uh, on, on June 8th is when he formally announced his retirement. So uh, a lot of people were very shocked because a lot of people thought it was, um, you know, AEW was, of course, uh, on, on a dock for Leo. They still wanted to sign him despite knowing that he was injured. So it, assumingly, once he got healed, he was going to come back and do some stuff with AEW. And he was under contract, well, still is under contract with New Japan. And he announced that he was going to, uh, once he has the surgery and, you know, gets healed up and everything, that he's going to finish out his uh, contractual obligations and appearances. And then after that, he's done. Uh, th- this year alone, we've seen Leo Rush in so many uh, promotions. Uh, you know, he's been working for GCW. He won the MLW middleweight title for Marvin Reed. Um, he, he, he's, the, he's doing, been doing the last since he got released from WWE last April. And it's, uh, at the age of 26 years old, Leo Rush has uh, formally uh, announced his retirement. Yeah, man, this this was a, a wild story, Andrew. And, you know, obviously all three of us are big fans of uh, Leo Rush and, and what he can do in the ring. And so if this is it, besides those contractual obligations he's got to fulfill once he gets healed up, I think it's going to be sad. Uh, I, you know, I hate to be cynical and skeptical here, Chris, but this right. is pro wrestling, man. This is pro wrestling. We have seen people retire before, and we have seen all them same people that retired come on back, you know? So mm-hmm. it would yeah. not shock me if this was not the last time that we saw Leo Rush in a ring. But I also think this is somebody that we know how much his family means to him. You know, anybody that saw him uh, on the challenge, right? Like, they know right. that this is somebody who family means a lot to him. And so I could see him stepping away for a bit. But like Andrew said, man, this dude is 26. So even if he steps away for like three or four years, Chris, there's plenty of time for him to come back and still do stuff in wrestling, whether it's being an active competitor or I could even see him, you know, being a commentator for somebody because the brother can talk. So I don't think this is the last we're going to see of Leo Rush in professional wrestling. Yeah, man. Uh, When I saw that original tweet, I was like, ah, shit, is Mark Henry trying to get this brother to to carry bags in AEW also. <laughs> but but yeah, like, man. Like, uh, Mark, why you always asking me to carry your bags, brother? That's what I do. <laughs> yeah, but I, I look, man, you you gotta he's gotta take care of home first. Take do some yeah. self-care. I, I think like you said, 26, I think he might be on the little a little bit of the over dramatic side of things um, because he, he loves wrestling. I, I remember, I never met Leo Rush, but I saw him out here. This might even been the show where he took that picture with um, uh, Topanga, um, mm-hmm. Daniel Fischel. Um, and he, he loves his job, man. So, um, you know, sometimes we need to just, you know, go home, chill, Maybe take a, 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 a like some Epsom salt baths, uh, ch- chill in the jacuzzi, get you a couple massages, um, get some acupuncture, do what you need to do, bro. But um, I, I don't think it's over either. Yeah, I I, I don't think Leo Rush is going to be out of wrestling for forever because, like, I think. I, I think just the the way that things unfolded for him recently, like it just like it was one of those. I don't want to call it a rash decision, but it's just one of those things that you make out of emotion because he literally just made his debut for AEW 
uh, the right. national na- national program, one, one, probably one of the biggest spats that he's had over the last several years yeah. uh, outside of WWE, of course. And, and then, well, but you you could say that, that that debut was probably like the biggest moment for him over the past couple of years. The reaction he got, the mm. fan reaction yeah. online, people were excited. It, no, you're you're right. It was a pleasant surprise. It because Tony Khan sometimes with his with his nonsense, with his promises. He goes out there. This was an instance of him under-promising and over-delivering. Yeah. He didn't promise anything wild. But when so when Leo Rush came out, you you I was genuinely excited to see that brother. And like you were alluding to, Andrew, it was just um, yeah, man, this is this is a big moment for him, dude. And I do think that um they got some good stuff for him in AEW. I'll yeah. tell you what though, Andrew, like Leo Rush. Leo Rush a better dude than me, man, because the fact that A.W. still wanted to sign his brother after he got <coughs> injured, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, yo, heal up on I dime. I'm, look, I'm taking that 10 times out of 10, Andrew Thompson. Mm-hmm. And, and, right. and on, top of, on top of that, man, he's, he got the contract with New Japan. So, mm-hmm. like, you, you, you got you basically signed a two of the uh, two, two of the top three uh, yep. organizations out there in professional wrestling. And they telling you, look. Go take care of your surgery, and then you come back when you come back. And like, man, that's why I think it was just you know one of those decisions that you just so like just distraught at the fact that you just had this big moment, and then of course you get hurt, and then now you gotta take nine or eight months off. But I'm like, man, like they 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 basically telling you like, look, you you like they just said you go heal up and you come back, and then by the time you come back, AEW already be torn. New Japan, the, yep. the borders will probably be open, so you never know who could be in there or how big New Japan might grow from here. Uh, from from already from from where they are, so I mean, like I I, I can't see. I, I feel like once Leo Rush heals up, and then once he fills out the rest of those dates that he has with New Japan, and he gets kind of gets that bug back, he's gonna be like, all right, like, okay, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm in. But yeah. I was going I was gonna ask y'all, did y'all uh, before we move on to the next topic, did y'all happen to see uh the the WWE ring announcer uh, Greg Hamilton's uh little sneak this at, at Leo? No. Yeah, I saw the tweet and delete. He was yeah, he tweeted tweet, tweet delete. Yeah, yeah. He, he, um, he, he, he made he made a little comment about uh like, but basically what he said, he was like uh when when the news came about that Leo Rush got uh that he announced the retirement, he was like, wow, unreal. If, if we didn't all ha- did, if we all didn't have our own lives and families to take care of, I might just pretend to give a bleep. And then uh, he said on behalf of the wrestling family and community who work for a living, um, onto the gym. And then he deleted it, and then he, of course, uh, posted his um, apology. And the, mm. the only thing I like is if you want to disrespect somebody publicly, then at the least you can yep. just apologize publicly. Yep. So, you know, yeah, yeah, that's that's some sucker stuff right there, man. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, you know these kinds of Leo Rush. Um, I think that he's always had kind of a target on his back over just some real like him being confident, pet- basically what it is. Yeah, petty mm-hmm. stuff, you know. Yo, know, I, I think I think the guy is, um, you know, he, he you know he he did step out of bounds when he um, you know, tweeted the the firing about yeah. what, what Emma Emma or whatever. Yeah. That that wasn't the the greatest thing to do, but it was he didn't. But it wasn't what didn't. it was made out to be. Like yeah, he, yeah, yeah. Because like, here's the thing: like what what this dude did to Leo is way more disrespectful. Than right, Leo yeah. making the joke like Emma wasn't ready for Oscar. Like to me, like yeah, Leo probably shouldn't have tweeted it, but like what this dude did to Leo is way more egregious than that, in my opinion. Yeah, way more egregious in my opinion as well. So uh, n- n- next up, 
we got uh some some news about the the third the current WWE champion the third black WWE champion in the company's history uh one Bobby Lashley it's, it's more of an opinion thing about uh what you what you uh Nate and Chris what you guys think uh, of course WWE they getting back on the road uh in front of live fans in July uh <clears throat> Bobby Lashley is going to be defending the WWE Championship at the Hell in a Cell pay per view coming up in a few weeks uh before WWE gets back on the road uh do you guys think that by, oh, let me just throw this and he's defending against Drew McIntyre and the stipulation is that if Drew McIntyre loses he can't challenge for the title anymore while Bobby Lashley is champion so do you think with that being in there do you think that Drew McIntyre is going to be the guy uh going into you know the fans being there or do you think they're gonna keep riding it out with Bobby Lashley um this isn't just my blackness talking so you know where I'm going with this uh I I I, I don't think that Lashley, I think Lashley at this present moment in time is more valuable than Drew McIntyre. Um, and I do, and I also think that um, Lashley, th- there was a Lesnar name drop, and Lashley, this was like about a few weeks ago, and Lashley said, Why are we talking about a guy that's not even here? I don't think that was an accident. So um, I am. I'm interested to see where things go, but yeah, Drew McIntyre, it, it, it sucks for him. I really do feel bad for him because, you know, he he um, was coming up right when the pandemic was hitting, mm. but um, Drew is not one of, Drew is one of those guys where I just don't think WWE has ever had any good di- direction with that brother, right? I mean, it's like, He's he, like he's supposed to be a good guy, but he does a lot of like hill stuff. And then he's also like, you know, he does a good job of of, of cutting those corporate promos. But I don't know. What about where? What say you, Nate? I'm man. Y'all already know this is about to be an okie doke. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is what the WWE does so often. They book themselves into corners, and then they have to figure their way to you know how to get out of that corner. And so I don't think the match that's currently advertised is the match that we're going to get by the time we get to Hell in a Cell. I think we're going to keep this same stipulation, but I feel like, Andrew, like I got this sneaking suspicion, man. They're going to find a way to put Kofi Kingston in this match Mm. and make it a three-way, and Kofi's going to eat the pin because the company has shown us that they view Kofi as expendable. And so that way, Drew doesn't beat Lashley, but Kofi losing keeps Drew's chances alive for a future match with Bobby. So I think that's how it's going to get done, man. Like, they, they, there's no way that we're not going to see Drew and Bobby hook up for the title again. I think this is just going to be something where they book themselves into something that they really didn't need to book themselves into. There you go. There you go. But good, kind of moving out from uh... – from from WWE onto some 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 more positive news. Uh, the, the representation is alive and well in uh in, in Ring of Honor's Women's World Title Tourney. They got three black women scheduled for the show. We got uh and and that, that's something that and all the participants haven't even been announced yet. We got Trisha Dore, Maserati, and Willow Nightingale. I said ROH is re- revamping their women's division, and several talented black women are a part of it. And, and I'm sure it's gonna be more to come. Uh, you, you guys' thoughts just about the representation that's out there on the independent scene. And, you know, I, 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 seemingly more companies kind of um, and more promotions sort of get more diverse with their talent. Yeah, I think this is this is a good thing, man. Like, not just with ROH and their women's tournament, but, you know, you look at the NWA getting ready to produce an all-women's show. Uh, 
yeah. uh, you know, led by Mickey James. Like, I think this is a great time, man, for uh, female performers out there, man. And, and so, like, with the names you just mentioned for the ROH tourney, I'm really excited for them. Like, this could be a big thing for them, especially, like, Willow Nightingale is one of my favorite performers right now on the, on the indies, man. Like, yeah. just what she brings in, in terms of ring and in terms of, of work and in terms of charisma. Yeah. Like she's got it all, man. And, and I love that, you know, we can have all these great talented female performers and they can come in all different shapes and sizes and colors, yeah. man. And so, yeah, I, I wish nothing, but nothing but the best for them. And, and I'm, I'm hoping that this is the start of something, man, where we're starting to, you know, go beyond what has been typically looked upon as this is what a, professional women's wrestler at a big time company looks like and they all tend to be blonde head and blue eyed like i hope that we pass that now i'm about to say and, and even you could throw this in for before chris get to it like you can look at the red velvets and the jay cargills mm-hmm. like dude like it's it, it's so many like talented black women's wrestlers out there that's like they they on the come up man like <laughs> for, for real yep. right yeah i think that um we're in a unique space now i don't think that wwe or aew um, or impact. I, I don't think the problem now is them not having the talent. They clearly do have the talent. It really is now about giving them something creatively to sink their teeth into. And and, and of course the uh, the last topic we we're gonna get into so so sort of kind of Nate's wheelhouse. Uh, some sort of you could say impact wrestling tna related uh <laughs> related news some somewhat uh earlier this month uh being of course the month of june it was confirmed uh by fow online that kia stevens better known as awesome kong her contract with all elite wrestling was not renewed uh kong has not wrestled since january of 2020 um she has had a great career of course like you know like i mentioned she had a, a great great stand out there and tna has some very memorable matches out there with gail kim uh, had a run at WWE and of course in uh in, in AEW and, and of course the stuff with, with Glow on Netflix, a, a hit show. Um we, we don't know what's next for Kia. Um but I think she's um I, I can't remember her age, but you know, uh, I think she's like forty two, maybe forty one. Uh she's had a wonderful career. Uh we, we don't know if this is it for her or not, but just you guys' fondest memories of Kia Stevens. Um and, and you know just your your thoughts about what could be next for her or you know if this might if this could be it for her. I understand AEW's position because um, she there, there really wasn't anything that they could do with her while she was injured. Um, hope I, I think she can do a lot of good being like a um, a backstage producer. agent, yeah. yeah, a producer for AEW. Um, and I, I I think she's going to be around. I I met her in um, Chicago at one of the Starcast. Um, just the this the sweetest person um, there. Um, she actually um, taught me in the buy and like like three of the same autograph picture from her. I don't know how she did that, but you know, uh, do do you, sister? Do you? But yeah, and then she's acting and stuff too. You know, she's yeah. a great she's, a great actor. Yeah, and she's she's making her way in that field. So I think she should be a she should be utilized by AEW as a part timer. Um, if she wants to come back to, to work full time, if her body is healed up, um, I don't see anything wrong with that. But that's probably not where her headspace is at the moment. She's probably more just um, wanting to um, get do what she can in acting because she is a good actor. 
Um, she's she's she was definitely one of the uh, highlights of Glow. Um, that that episode with her son, uh, having to watch her be the welfare queen, uh, that almost brought a tear to my eye. I ain't even gonna lie. So uh, do 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 what's best for you, uh, Kia. Yeah, man. I I feel like again we got to give props to these people while they still around, man. And Kia is somebody that been in the game for a minute, Andrew. Like. Mm-hmm. Like almost twenty years at this point, and has wrestled in Impact, has wrestled, you know, in in Japan, has wrestled in AEW, had her WWE run, you know. So she doesn't have anything left to prove, man. Like if she doesn't wrestle another match for the rest of her life, she's already a Hall of Famer. You know what I mean? And yeah. so my thing for her is whatever makes her happy, whether that be continuing to grow as an actress or whether it is being. Uh, an agent or, you know, even a part-time wrestler. But I, I think there's there's this class of wrestlers. And I talked about it recently with John Pollock, man. Like when you look at your Mercedes Martinez's, your Lufisto's, right? Uh, you know, Mickey James now in NWA. Like there's so many great performers that are of a certain age. And I feel like company, you know, Jazz just had a retirement tour. Like a lot of people think once you hit that certain age, particularly if you're a woman and particularly if you're a woman of color that that's a wrap like you don't have anything to offer the business and that's not true at all like i think any company would be made better for having kong work for them uh but if that's not what she wants man like i just want her to be happy so you know i had a chance to talk to her on one of my old shows uh pipe bomb radio uh back in the day me and my co-host felix had a chance to talk to her and like chris was saying man like she is just one of the sweetest, smartest people that you would ever meet, man. So I just, you know, wish the best for. Yeah. Before we get out of here, that was of course the last uh, news topic. Got 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 to correct something that I said earlier because Nate, you just kind of mentioned it, and I was kind of thinking about it uh, after I said it. Like I, I noticed that we kind of, well, even me, I'm not gonna say we, me, when we kind of, so like, like sometimes when conversations come out about it was specifically uh, female performers in wrestling, like kind of mention the age as far as like, uh, like when when they quote-unquote the tail end of their in-ring careers and stuff but we don't do that for like the males when you got like this mm-hmm. 50 50 60 year old dudes you know still trying to get back in the ring so i want to retract that and you know leave her age out of that so yeah i just wanted to make sure i corrected that yeah but look tully blanchard still out here getting checks yeah, man if, right if tully can get a check man cone can get a check too brother 100 percent when I met her, she was making a lot of age jokes um, on herself. So, um, okay. but yeah, I just you know we, we we're always good to um, cover your tracks. I, I feel you, Andrew. Mm. And that's look. That's why this man about to be next. That's why he got that journalistic integrity. <laughs> they called it, ladies and gentlemen. That's our brother Andrew Thompson. Andrew, for anybody that wants to hear more from you, brother. Uh, obviously, they're going to hear you here on the NWA podcast, but where else can they check out all of your great articles, all of your great interviews, including speaking of TNA, you uh, just got to talk to that man, J E double F. J A double R E double T Jeff Jeff. Hey, big up to you for asking about the head of state. Only a brother is asking him that question. I just, yo. Yo, pull it back the curtain. I just watched Head of State today on Pluto yeah. TV. When I was waiting to get my uh, car fixed, I, I turned yeah. on Pluto TV because sometimes I watch the wrestling channels. And I was like, what's going on on the Black Entertainment Channel on Pluto TV? And next thing I know, here come Nate Dog. 
everything's going great for Maze. Look at him. He's the head of state. I was like, is that, yeah. is that Jeff Jarrett and Ron Killings on my screen? When, when, when he kept getting his car impounded and a bike and all that, yeah. the, uh, Beyonce, uh, Jay-Z saw, look for me. <laughs> that's an underrated movie, man. Head of state, Chris yeah. Rock. Check that out. And I was about to say, yeah, it, it was good talking to uh, talking to Jeff. Like he was a uh, he, he he seemed like he was a real you know chill, chill dude from when I was talking to him, and he he seemed like he was a uh, very very surprised when I, when I brought up the the head of state movie. You know, gave a whole breakdown to how how that whole ordeal happened. Right. But yeah, they they, they go uh, check out my interviews at the Andrew Thompson Interviews YouTube channel. I just put an interview out today with uh with, with New Japan Pro Wrestling's uh, Mikey mm-hmm. Nichols, who was formerly in WWE, and then um. Yeah, you check out. Yeah, subscribe. Go subscribe to the channel for more content and check out my written work over at the Post Wrestling site. Yeah, next time ask him about life with Mikey if you get a chance. <laughs> 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 Yo, that's that's our guy Andrew Thompson, our nephew, the youngest in charge. Appreciate you for bringing us the news, brother. And we'll do it again next time. All right, for sure. I appreciate y'all, man. Peace. All right. Thank you once again to the youngest in charge, our brother Andrew Thompson, bringing us the news, Chris. Now, now that we enlightened, now that we informed, I feel like we can have a conversation. Yeah, so uh, let's let's bring in our guests, man. They, they, they ain't even really guests at this point, Chris. You know, they, they, they damn near family at this point because they've been down with the Nubian Wrestling Advocates since day one. And uh, we're glad to have them here on our first episode on The Post wrestling network so let me bring in first of all she was going to make her debut during post podcast day but you know she was like i need to make this entrance i need to let these people know i'm on that cpt that (laughs) that that calrissian people time ladies and gentlemen let me bring in friend of the program wrestling aficionado star wars expert host of Sisters with Sabres, the excellent Star Wars podcast. Sister Maria, what is up, fam? <laughs> What's up? It's good to be here with you guys. It's been a while, man, but I, I miss you guys. I'm glad yes. to do this. We are glad to have you with us because, uh, yeah, we, we, we definitely want to hear your thoughts on this this crazy world of professional wrestling that we talking about this week. But Maria is not the only guest joining us. Our other guest is... Uh, one of the best voices on the Pro Wrestling Torch Network. That's just my opinion. But but I think it's the truth, too. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know, I don't know why I got, like, real dramatic with that intro, Chris. <laughs> felt like, felt like uh, Shamar Moore when he used to co- uh, fill in for Don Cornelius on Soul Train. Oh, yeah. Coming up, coming up next. <laughs> Coming up yeah. next from Atlantic Records, let's bring in the one and only Jody Watley. But uh, <laughs> we ain't, got, we, we oh ain't got Jody Watley, but we got somebody here with just as much star power. Ladies and gentlemen, from the torch, Rich Fan is back with us. Brother Rich, how are you, man? I'm good, and I feel completely overwhelmed with the level of hype man you gave me. That was a John Wickian level hype man and you just gave me so i appreciate that brother you know we we gotta we gotta big up our people you know as, as the new day would say you know we, we gotta gas up our brothers and sisters mm. so chris we got some topics to talk 
about this week and to share with the people. So let's not even waste any time, man. What is the first topic on the schedule for this week? Okay, so the first topic is our thoughts on the current utilization of by hold up, hold up, hold up, Chris, Chris, I don't know yeah. why you always try to erase me like this, brother. You never read oh, my fancy my, little no. ti- my fancy little titles. I'll be taking so much time to think of, brother. Let's let's run that back. Run that back. <laughs> okay, so topic number one: the minority report. Oh, there it is. There, thank you, Chris. All I right. appreciate it. All right, cool. I'll let it marinate for a second. Okay, um, our thoughts on the current utilization of. BIPOC performers of the major wrestling companies. Mm. So, yeah, so I, I think I wanted to start here, guys, kind of as a reset point, you know, and, and just kind of take the temperature in the room because on the one hand, there are more performers of color performing now in major companies than mm-hmm. we've seen in the past. The question is, how well are they being utilized? So, Maria, we, we can start with you. Like, what, what are your thoughts on maybe some of the performers either in WWE or AEW or anywhere else that, that you feel are or maybe aren't being used properly? Yeah, this is an interesting thing that I had commented on last night is that, yeah, we have more um, individuals of color out there, whether it's black or other races. Like, I, I, I like what's going on with Damian Priest because, you know, McMahon has a tendency just to talk about real quick about what's winning for me. Uh, you know, if this was 10 years ago, McMahon would have put him in that same Carlito shirt and sent him out there to talk, talk about, about a cabana or whatever. You know what I mean, so I, I am happy on the one side that some some individuals are getting a chance to express themselves and become their own character. But there's also a lot of room for improvement. Like there's, it's it's weird. It's there's this bipolar disorder that's happening when I watch the show. Like on one hand, it's like look at how progressive we are. Look at our women's division, Bianca Belair. And then on the other hand, like you got Bobby Lashley, and he looks like a uh, big Papa Cool or whatever with all these hoes behind him. I'm like, what? What is the message here? What is the message? Mm. What is the message? And there's so many white women. I'm like, what? what is the message? That white women equal what? Because I'm tired of seeing it. This ain't 1984. Come on now. This shit is crazy. Mm, so, talk about it. Yeah. You know, so on one hand, I feel like, you know, we're, we're getting better. AEW is super progressive, in my opinion, more so than WWE could ever dream to be. But, you know, we've got more people of color on the show, but what are they really doing? You know, mm-hmm. they've still got that um, black manservant character for AJ Styles. Like, don't even get me started on how much I hate that shit. Like, that's so offensive. And I just, I don't understand why somebody doesn't intervene. Like, oh, well, he didn't say he was a slave. I'm like, it doesn't matter if it's labeled as that or not. Like, you got to understand how that comes across and how that could be offensive to me. That brother belongs in a headlining match. Like, he's got the look and he can definitely perform. Why is he playing second banana to this idiot? Mm. And, and I think uh, like, there's there's a way to do it, Maria, where, mm-hmm. you know, he's not Virgil, right? Right. Like there's a way where he can work with AJ and, and you know, get those reps and get that experience without mm-hmm. him being, like you said, the manservant, you know, without being this guy's lackey. But I also think like it's weird because mm-hmm. and I want to I want to know what Rich thinks about this. Like with AW, I do agree on the whole. They're generally generally more 
progressive than the WWE. But I also feel like one of my big issues with that company is they've got a lot of great diversity up and down the roster. But if you look at that main event scene, it looks like a paper plate with a bowl of rice and a glass of milk in the middle of a snowstorm, Rich. Well, you got to <laughs> add in. Yeah, the, the, the darkest dude in the main event is Sting when he's got his paint on. I love me some Sting, but right, that ain't the move. Yeah, Steve, Steve, too fly ain't, ain't going to be enough. And I think the issue for them is, and it's been the thing they've been focused on so much since the beginning, they've gotten the strong main event. They're going with a more uh, old school, uh, a combination of like the old school 80s, like territory slash Japanese extended title reigns for your champions. But the problem with that is when you set up a primarily or exclusively white main event scene, you're setting yourselves up for failure. I mean, shoot. First thing I said when they got the roster they had was you got the Lucha Brothers and in every other promotion in the United States before AEW, they were champions in the company. Mm hmm regardless of if they happen to tag together. Then you add in the young folk, they've got like the acclaimed uh, uh, private party. Yeah. Uh, you got the Powell big House man. Hobbs. Ho yeah, Hobbs is a guy who I think he needs to go under the learning tree with Mark Henry and just right. soak that knowledge up because he could be a monster under with that man talking to him in the back. And then mm -hmm. you also have the hangers on and you know no offense to them but that's what they are the hangers on and friends of the evps that are in lackey positions even at the top of the card so why is cody feuding with uh qt marshall instead of just kicking qt to the curb and just letting it be about a go-go and cody yep right yeah because ain't nobody here for the qt marshall he'll run <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what what about you, Chris? Like, what are your thoughts, either WWE or AEW, in terms of kind of the current way that performers of color are being used in these companies? All right, so I do have criticisms of both. Small praise, but but criticisms. Um, first of all, I want to talk about WWE. I saw um almost going back to him for a second. I I didn't watch Raw completely last night I, I watched segments from youtube all i saw was this this brother almost i thought that fool had a piece of fried chicken in his hand and it was um <laughs> i was like you got some chicken what the hell and then they explained it was a turkey leg and i guess uh the viking raiders uh made a joke <laughs> about <laughs> about a turkey leg i i was about to lose my shit i i guess a turkey leg is better but it it looked like fried chicken long enough for me to feel some <laughs> yeah yes if we're, if we're power ranking <laughs> like the racist potential yeah. of poultry chicken is way worse than turkey <laughs> But it's a yeah, lateral right. move. It's a lateral <laughs> move, right? I called my man almost free because that's how they treat them on that show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, th so that's that's where I'm at with um, with WWE right now. And I did, I did like the Lashley stuff with the women. Um, I'm gonna uh, let uh, Maria use her words <laughs> that's not something I'm, I'm not going down that road but but with the uh with the, with the women and stuff like that um i do think that's a little bit much 
Um, I, I get it, but I think it's a little bit antiquated. Um, I, I agree with uh, Rich on um, the, the whole thing and a, about AEW going to them. The, I, I just, I don't know one black person um, in AEW with any real motivation that um, I can understand, get behind, mm-hmm. comprehend, or even like tell somebody, hey, this this black person is doing that. Um, I'm, I'm staying on the black folks in AEW right now because that's the biggest problem for me is like, only thing I know about private party are they are a couple of dumbass idiots character wise. <laughs> I'm not talking about on a personal level. I'm sure both of them are nice dudes, but you're given 35% of your earn what 30. I don't know. I don't even care. I, big, big money, Matt. And I love Matt Hardy. Big money. Matt is the worst character. Um, mm-hmm. In wrestling to me, I'm not going to say uh, I'm uh, right now. Um, I, I, I put him up there with the Miz as far as my personal <laughs> hatred for that character. I love Matt Hardy. Um, I, and that, the weird thing about Matt Hardy is I historically loved every incarnation of his character. But the minute he gets put with brothers, he doesn't make any sense. Private Party doesn't make mm-hmm. any sense. Scorpio Sky isn't making any sense anymore. At first, I kind of understood. Powerhouse Hobbs, he doesn't make any sense. Like these, they, like what, the thing I hate about AEW when it comes to their black talent is they do these like random heel turns that don't make any sense to me. That I don't understand mm-hmm. where they're coming from. I don't understand the motivations behind them, and I don't. And um. I don't know what's worse, and maybe you all can tell me, booking stereotypes but a lot of television time or just leaving guys off of TV until you could come up with stuff for them to do because, like, Hobbs, like, he's not doing anything. He's he's getting his ass kicked by Christian every week or um, just he's not he's not doing anything. Mm-hmm. And um, Scorp- Scorpio Sky is, I like the stuff with him and Paige sometimes, but he doesn't make any sense to me. Private Party are a couple of idiots who are giving their mm-hmm. money to a white dude 30% and for, for the hopes of what? They're like, I don't understand that. And even a government. Yeah, yeah, they like, have they mm-hmm. won since teaming with Matt Hardy? Like, what? what is this investment yeah. providing for them? Like, right, I think yeah. the, the, the one uh black performer on the roster in AEW and I will give them credit for this uh because this individual is already a star in my opinion and is just going to continue to grow as, as she becomes uh, more proficient and that's Jay Cargill like that's to me the one black performer that they've gotten right from the jump oh, I, I, I'm I'm gonna give some kickback to that too um I think Jay Cargill, they've done a lot of right things with her, but like I think Jay Cargill is because she's such a presence and um just has her charisma oozes off the TV screen, but I don't know how much credit 
AEW can take for her outside of just putting her on television, you know, like she's like just just cool, you know what I'm saying? Like they don't have anything really for her. The stuff with Shaq and her was was great. I yeah, love well, that. Well, I think you got to give them credit for a like doing the stuff with Shaq because that set her in a yeah. position from the jump. But also, you know, sometimes Rich, it's not what you do, but it's the things you don't do, right? And we haven't shackled Jade to a meaningless stable. We haven't put Jade in a meaningless feud. We've made her feel special because we haven't messed with the formula. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you look at Jade, the one thing I say they could mess up with by adding Mark Sterling, who I, did, I liked as a manager in the Beyond and Independent mm-hmm. scene, but she doesn't need a manager. She's Rick Rude. That's what I say all the time on the torch. People are just realizing that we have Rick Rude for this generation. And it just happens to be a strong black woman instead of a dude from Minnesota. Mm. And it, it's amazing to me to see her. And the one thing I would say to Chris's point when he was talking about, you know, not necessarily doing as much and they kind of looked into her, WWE had her and they dumped her. Yeah. <laughs> like they, they didn't right. see her. Like that's there the thing that blows my mind. Yep. Like you see that woman and you can't get her on television. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I would have like put her on ice or something until like, you know, Throw it in the fridge until we could come up with. You know exactly what Vince thought, though. Vince was like, "I've already got two of those, pal," because he looks over and sees Sasha and Bianca, and he doesn't make a differentiation. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't see the value. And historically, that's always been the case with WWE: is they don't see value in black women, so they will pass on something and and look like fools. Mm. Right. Yeah, because I was a big fan of um, Jazz when they had her, and they kind of squandered her away um but it's it's just um i do think jade as as far as upsides are concerned in aew i do think that right now she's um at the top of the heap when it comes to uh black talent a go-go i do have to talk about him for a second because his heel turn really makes the least amount of sense to me because i don't understand qt marshall like (laughs) cody Cody wins all the time. Mm-hmm. And you left a guy who wins all the time to a guy that nobody knows and even worse nobody cares about. I mean, you know, QT Marshall, he's another one of those guys. He's trained a lot of wrestlers. I'm sure he's a nice guy personally. I I don't like his wrestling character because he makes no sense to me. Like your own your <laughs> only ticket to relevancy is Cody Rhodes, and you're telling all these guys it makes no sense. Make it make sense is all I'm asking. QT Marshall sense. is is Kyrie when Kyrie went to the Celtics and left LeBron in Cleveland. He's like, I got right. this, Cody. I can do this on my own. Watch, I got my own super team. Welp. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's see how that turned out. I think to the to the question ahead, earlier about the booking, like, is it better to be booked uh, on a show doing jack shit or not to be booked at all? Mm-hmm. Um, I I would say the latter, honestly, because look at what happened almost like with with mm-hmm. the with the turkey leg, like it's just so uncool. Or or let's go back to Naomi and the singing thing, you know, like I I don't want to see us portrayed that way. If if that's all you got for us. Mm. then let, let's figure something else out because, um, you know, if, if the talent can leverage social media, right, in a way to get us behind them, you know, then we have a shot. 
You mm-hmm. know, I'd rather them come up with something that's more formulated. And the writing does suck right now. I'm going to be honest about that. Right. Like you said, the character uh, drives and motivations just aren't clear and it's not coming across. And that's why people are disconnected and disjointed. That's why people don't give a shit when a baby doll gets slapped around. You know, <laughs> like nobody gives a shit. It doesn't just, make sense. Maria, you don't understand the You're meaning. Right. You're right. Behind, behind the, <laughs> the baby doll is a symbol for society and we okay. have to step on society so that we can ignite the flames within ourselves. Just because people legalize marijuana doesn't mean you should smoke it all the damn time. Right? <laughs> you know? I, I, I love what you're saying, though, Maria, and I completely agree. Like, I think, and even when the WWE stumbles on something good, mm-hmm. the they find a way to ruin it. Like with the Hurt Business, man. Yeah. Right. Like the hurt business was money, literally and figuratively. Mm-hmm. And we just broke them up because. Yeah. And That's now, it. like, Cedric doesn't mean anything. Shelton doesn't mean anything. Bobby's and, out, like 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 you said, Bobby's mm-hmm. out here living his best Rick James life. And, and, right, basically. You know, it's it's yeah. like you could have had this, for lack of a better term, like bl- this black evolution group mm-hmm. that just could have right. ran roughshod for a year and then we get like the big bobby cedric feud which set cedric up to be something but right mm-hmm. now cedric is a mid card yeah yeah this is nothing against yeah. the guy but in terms of the show cedric doesn't mean anything yeah the, i don't understand them breaking up the the hurt business either because you have four guys that had defined Shelton Benjamin was one of those was was like a lo- a lost puppy dog in wrestling, especially when he was in WWE, just looking for something that he could seek his teeth into, and then they finally give him something that he's that mm-hmm. he can seek his teeth into, mm-hmm. and then they 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 just kind of throw all that to the wayside, and you know it makes no sense to me. And it's yeah. a shame because Shelton is a natural performer. And he's got a lot of energy when he's in the ring and he can execute, but without the other side, without the character development, without the drive and without the support of the company, he's, he's like you said, a lost puppy. It's just what bothers me is like, you can't be on one side of the coin saying, Oh, female empowerment. Look at our women's division. And then two minutes later, Bobby Lashley comes out, uh, you know, looking like (laughs) uncle Luke. Like, you can't do it. You cannot do that. That is called a contradiction, sir. Like, this is not it. That's not it. That's not it. That's not it. I don't know what that is, but that's not it. No. You know? I thought thought it was going to come on. I'm like, okay, we're about to get into Duty Brown. That's what this is. Like, we know Vince is behind the times, so I'm assuming, like, now in 2021, he's finally listening to Miami Bass. This this is great. Don't stop. Get it. Get it, pal. Right? It's it's 2021, and it's so antiquated, like he said earlier. Like, it really is. It's out of date. And Mm. we've got to, like, start turning the tide. And then again with the Kofi Kingston tease. Like, Mm. I'm tired of being, like, jerked around with Kofi Kingston. Like, there is no reason why Kofi should have to come out here, prove himself again. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, he is a high card performer. Like he, he's a main eventer, like it or not. And, and people need ah. to get over it. Like everybody's not going to look like Bobby Lashley coming through the door. 
And we need to right. like, give space for different body types. Mm-hmm. Like just because you don't think that he's a uh, uh, adequate performer, he doesn't look the type. Like I'm, I'm just so over that stuff. And, you know, mm-hmm. I will say this on the positive side before I shut up. Um, I've never seen more WWE um, commercials starring people of color, whether it's the Snickers mm-hmm. campaign or it's the toys themselves. Like they're putting the new day out there and that's kind of dope. So I just I want to see more of that right. reflected in the actual show. Yeah. And I, I think before we kind of leave this topic and go to our second topic, I would I did want to bring this up because when we look back to WrestleMania this year, you can make the argument. And Rich, I would say it's not even a close argument or a good argument uh, for the for anything else. I would say the match of WrestleMania was Sasha and Bianca. And as great as that match was, the story leading up to it was really weak, in my opinion. And it's like they did not feel like actual characters leading up to that match. They felt like caricatures of what somebody thinks that these black women sound like. And it it just hit me wrong. And so, like, real quick, I want to get everybody's thoughts on just that the portrayal of Sasha and Bianca, because I feel like Bianca is somebody who is a star, but they're not treating like a star. Sure. I, I'd actually first defer to Maria on that one because I want to hear her perspective on that because I don't want to open with us doing the same thing WWE doing. <laughs> we're, we're, we're all right? about female empowerment, but sit down and, and let the men talk, lady. Right, McMahon, tell us about female empowerment. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I'll say this. Like, they did a really good job. I'll start with the positives. They did a really good job with that package, right? Sh- showing us who Bianca is, right? Her story, you know, and, and giving us that information. I think that this would have been a really nice buildup to see two black women with no no outside beef, just who is the better competitor. Mm. And, and, try to stay away from the the cattiness. There was a little bit of that that I I really didn't care for. Um, I don't think it's needed. I also think that uh, Bianca has a wonderful, like, she's a natural face. Like, she has that, if she's just herself, like, it comes through naturally. So you don't have to put anything on top of it. And I feel like if they just let her natural shine come through, it would be, you know less you know i just feel like people could grab to that more you know than uh kind of making her like you said a caricature uh sasha always delivers i'll say that she always delivers and and that wig was popping okay you can't tell me nothing about that wig you can't Mm. tell me nothing at all period point blank um she she killed it um and i like seeing her smile at the end of the match like Mm because it was like a we did it moment and I like that too, but um, I just I really wanted to see less of like, you know, the, you know, well I'm better than you are, and more of like let's let's go out there and give the best show possible and let the fans decide who's the best. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that would have been a more unifying message for Black women. It's our first damn pay per view headlining. Like, we need to get this right. You know, like, I feel like that's really important. And yes, it was a powerful moment, but I just, I feel like 
first of all, that like lash on her back with the ponytail, I wasn't expecting that. I was like, oh yes. shit. Wow. Litter up. I'm like, oof, that's gonna hurt tomorrow. Ooh. Uh, but I feel like there was room in that in that wrestling match to tell a story mm-hmm. that's cohesive. Um, that that shows respect to both competitors. They had a little bit of it in the beginning when they did the face-off, and then they lost it immediately. Like, I want to see that peer-to-peer respect um, and less of the cattiness. And for me, I, I talked yesterday on my show with Wade, uh, everything on the PW Torch podcast, about the fact that I'm hoping with the hiring of two Black women writers they finally start to get the fact that you need people to speak for people they're representing and not just go through a lens of whatever the person who has Vince McMahon to or, or Vince McMahon himself wants to see. Like you, uh, Chris mentioned earlier, Jazz, the first person I always think about is Miss Jackie and how she always had to be the other to Sable when she could have right. been her mm-hmm. own thing in her own right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that is something that they made the mistake with. And I, I think with these women particularly as they evolve with Bianca, they need to give her that stage because her, I even mentioned, they, they don't have good interviewers right now, right? They don't have the person, right. not interviews, but interviewers. They don't have that JR They're anymore that can have that, mm-hmm. that, that yeah. sat down. That uh, Renee Young, who was doing it before they cut her legs off. Mm-hmm. So yeah. why not have, the first thing I thought about was after WrestleMania, and I, po- I threw this out the way, so I thought out to y'all, I thought they could have changed the whole paradigm of how they do interviews instead of her having to come out and do those tired interviews in front of the, the, uh, the screens, do a sit down with her husband and say, tell me and tell the universe what I see. I'm going to, or I'm going to tell them what I see that they don't. Mm -hmm. And then he's leading the conversation talking about it instead of her having to constantly talk about why people constantly said when she was growing up that she was too cocky or why like mm-hmm. have, have have quotes from people who played with her it's like well you know bianca she was always doing too much but i get it she was so good mm-hmm. instead of because when it's her talking especially a black woman everyone else takes it as why is she just bragging on herself mm. right yeah i always get like the feeling when i watch wwe is um that it's a white guy telling the black wrestlers how to be black. That's always been a, a criticism that, that I've had with um, WWE mm-hmm. or can you do it a little bit more blacker? I, I just get that impression. Of, it's very like, Hollywood remember, shuffleish. Like it's, it's, you don't, you don't think yeah. Coco Beware doing this was black. Uh, <laughs> that, looked, that looked black to me. Yeah. But, well, the, the where does a parent rank Maria? Where does a parent rank on a racist poultry scale? Right. I would right. say uh, it's below like a peacock. Okay. <laughs> the, uh, the one thing that I, I know how uh, toxic Jim Cornette can be, but one thing I will give him credit on in, in the Smoky Mountain era is he told New Jack, go out there and say something to piss white people off. Any black person knows how to do that. <laughs> Jim Cornette didn't have to tell that dude what to say. New Jack found it in his spirit and said what was on his mind. And of course, New Jack went all the way left. But, you know, I was in Knoxville while that was going on. And I remember how the NAACP out there got pissed at that brother for it. But I I, I don't think uh, WWE, I think the minute 
black people start being even a little bit authentic, Vince McMahon has to do something like giving Shelton Benjamin a mammy or something. It's just something like, Mm. I, I just don't think, I just don't think normal everyday black people is ever good enough for Vince McMahon. Mm. Well, I wonder if it could be that he's got an idea in his head of who black people are and that gets in the way. Hmm. And it's also like, you, you got to think like Vince McMahon has been insulated for so long, right? Like not only is he wealthy, old. not only <laughs> is he white, not only is he old, like he's powerful. And how many regular average everyday people of color does he come into contact with that don't work for him? I would, I would guess very few. So he's what we see on the screen, like whether he's the writer or not, like Rich was saying earlier, ultimately it all comes to us filtered through the lens of Mm -hmm. uh, Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Uh, So that, that brings us to our second topic, which will, I guess we'll start with Vince, but let the people know, Chris, what our second topic is. All right, so topic number two, coming to the the uh, to the cookout, <laughs> the cookout, aka, um, who all gonna be there? All right, uh, a discussion on the allyship in wrestling, filtered through the lens of a cookout invite. Yeah, so basically, what I wanted to do with y'all is play a little <laughs> a little party game. So it's summertime, right? So we're Let's say we're having the the Nubian Wrestling Advocates annual cookout. So I got a list of people in the wrestling world, and we're going to go around the table, and I want y'all to give your opinion on who gets an invite. So you got three choices. You can either invite to the cookout, say they can't come to the cookout, or they can fix a plate, but they got to go. So those are your three options with the cookout game. And let's start with Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon, does he get to come to the cookout, Maria. What what do you say? Nah, <laughs> nah. <laughs> no hesitation. Nah. Uh, Rich, does Vince get to come to the cookout? As long as he's employing those folks and paying them well, he can grab a plate, and we can have it like COVID style. Like he just drive up to the house, we'll hand it, and he can bricks. <laughs> All right. So Rich says Vince can come pick up a plate, but he got to go. Chris, can Vince come to the cookout? No, um, Vince has done too many things over the years that it's just, it's just, he's provided me with so much entertainment, but it's like what Chris Rock was saying about America is Vince is like the, the, um, oh, the wrestling promoter that you love and respect, but he molested you also. So it's like. Nah. Uh, uh, so that's a no from Chris, a no from Maria. Pick up a plate from Rich. I'm going to say, if this were Vince like in the 80s, like stand back Vince, like announcer Vince, I could let that man come through, get him a plate, get some short ribs or something, take it home with him. Vince now, like, and, and granted, like I'm a little salty. With, with this company, like, and I have been mm-hmm. ever since they did Kofi Dirty. So, like, mm-hmm. I'm biased on that that front, Rich. So, I'm going to say no. Like, Vince, you know, we appreciate 
what he's done in terms of employing people and giving people options and whatnot. But now nah, Vince can't come to the cookout. Uh, let's stay in the family, though, because I think Maria might switch her answer on this one. So she said Vince can't come to the cookout. But what about that man coming through with them fresh J's on? Shane McMahon. Uh, I guess he can pick up a plate. <laughs> I, you know, it's, it's, you can be um, a person who is like into black culture without necessarily being behind black people. And it. that's, that's the energy I get from him is you're a culture vulture. Like you, you want to hang out but you don't want to be there when it's time to march. Like you're not mm. down for us. You yeah, like to wear you like to wear our style, but, but you ain't really, mm. you know. As the as the late great Paul Mooney would say, everybody want to be an N word, but don't nobody want to be an N word. Ain't that it? Uh, <laughs> that's it right there. Uh, Rich, what about you? Can Shane McMahon come to the cookout? Uh, I think if I'm going by Maria's rules, none of them could be because they're all hanging out in that White House. Cheesing it up with uh, 40, Ooh. 45. And uh, so that, that's tough. But outside of that, because in advocacy, yeah, Shane, culture vulture extraordinaire. But I feel like Shane would need to come and at least get a plate because I feel like he don't get invited to too many family functions. <laughs> that's, <laughs> accurate. that's accurate, yo. I feel that. Because Vince already has his favorite son, and his name is Hunter. Uh, Chris, we got two. Two people saying Vin, uh, Shane can come pick up a plate. Uh, what What do you say about Shane McMahon? Uh, yeah, sure. Come to the cook. I was just I, I just want him to give me a, a pair of them Jays and them, wow, uh, you you selling out the, the, or, you selling out the integrity of the cookout for some sneakers, Chris. Hey, if he if he if he comes through with a pair of uh, Dior's, the the Jordan ones, the Dior's. Um, e, look, man, I'll. Um, I, 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 I'll, let, I, I'll, I'll let him push the envelope that much more. See, that's, that's how people get in trouble. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say he can come pick up the plate. Uh, yeah, I think so. So Chris says he can come to the cookout fully. Me, Marie, and Rich say he can pick up a plate. Because I, I think like he's not as bad as his daddy, and he right. does. Like mm-hmm. I think, you know, to my point earlier, Maria, like I <clears> feel <throat> like Shane's been around – actual black people in the last mm-hmm. decade but that still doesn't mean like he knows what it's all about right yeah. it in Shane's defense I don't ever think he's had a good chance to like get his ideas out like he's had some good ideas over the mm-hmm. years like um wanting to buy the UFC and stuff like that and every time he comes up with an idea, Miss McMahon seems to kind of yank the the rug out from under him. So, um, you know, I'll be I'll have a more fully fleshed out opinion of Shane McMahon once I'm able to actually see what he brings to um, sports entertainment. Right. Mm. Mm. I, th- I feel like this is going to start some controversy here. We go from the McMahons to another person that came up in a wrestling family, Randy Orton. Maria, can Randy Orton come to the cookout? <laughs> Why you put me out there like this? Why you put me out here in the street like this? You know what I mean? Like everybody was having a great time. We were we were, we were conversating. Like you know, we we everybody have fun. You know, he's smiling. I'm smiling. 
you know, and, and now you do this to me. <laughs> what I do to you? I thought we was cool. Like, why you do this? <laughs> Don't look, look, the people want to know answers to these hard-hitting questions, Maria. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do this, Craig. Don't do this. <laughs> Oh my God. Um, you know, Randy has had an interesting trajectory with people of color, mm-hmm. right? Um, his first child is with a woman of color, right? But yeah. his father seems to have influenced his decisions around, you know, what's appropriate and what's not appropriate when dealing with other people. And then he came out and supported Black Lives Matter. Right. So he's always been kind of straddling the fence um, of what's right and what's wrong. And I think, again, it comes from lack of understanding the culture, lack of having access to the culture, Mm -hmm. preconceived notions. And also, um, where would he interact? Like, you know, if he's not in the hood, you know, uh, which (laughs) he can come through. (laughs) Yo, you know, that's 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 something that could happen. Um, right. I don't know. Like, this is a hard one for me because you know I've got other feelings. I got another set of feelings mm. um, that we can't discuss because you can't really get that done at a cookout. Like, that's, go, go ahead, keep them voices in your head, Maria. <laughs> he looks good. He looks good for what? How old is he now? He's in his forties. He's got to be in his forties. He done stop time. He said. He said no. <laughs> Like, yeah, he looks good. Like, like, I, I think damn. you're right, though, Maria. Like, this is a hard call because Randy's been all over the map with this. Mm-hmm. Like, like you said, like he supported BLM. He's got mm-hmm. a biracial child, uh, you know. But he's also the guy that you know said the N word right on on that live stream. He's also, and so, he, he, he's also the guy that that said Colin Kaepernick is wrong for taking a knee and blah blah blah. Right. I mean, he did come yeah. around on that, but I mean, yeah. I think Randy, Randy might be because there's people I, that I've still got on this list that I know are like all the way on one end of the spectrum and then people that are all the way on the other end. I think Randy might be the best approximation, Rich, of, you know, just maybe like an average white person out there that is conflicted by this and and learning things and 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 having to maybe unlearn some things as well, you know, given mm-hmm. what's gone down the last year. So I think right now, I'm, I'm going to give Randy like a conditional invite to the cookout, Maria. Like he can, he okay. can come to the cookout, but like he got to watch, like, like we watching him, we watching him. <laughs> yeah. Just don't talk. Just don't talk. You can look good right here. Mm-hmm. I agree. I we just agree. want to be at the cookout and so everybody can be knocking over to the side. Who family that? Oh, he ain't family. It's like, oh, let me, let me, let me go step on over to that corner for a minute. Say hello. <laughs> uh, what about you, Rich? You giving Randy an invite? I'm gonna give him an invite, and it's to what Chris and Maria just talked about. And I think it's the fact that he he didn't go with the corporate. Just hey, Black Lives Matter. He went with I was wrong when I said what I said in the past. Mm-hmm. I right. completely was full of crap, and I own that. Because it was a Twitter thread where someone was like, how are you going to say that now? He's like, I was an idiot before. I got coworkers I talked to. We forget he's from St. Louis, which is super segregated. Mm-hmm. And he finally opened his, like you said, Nate, he opened his heart to a side that hadn't been shown to him by his family. And I think he gets credit for that. So 
if anything, just to make sure Marie is happy. And also, <laughs> I want to see how many people slide over and right. get their, their like fifth plate over by Randy before, you know, the, the cookout. Like, oh, I left my, oh, I left my greens. Where not I even, left not even close. I'm going to be smacking hoes. Just go on. Get off see? me now. They're going to be like, get I on. left my greens over by that nice mix boy. Well, you you know what they do at the cookout. Oh, chase taste my potato salad, baby. Mm-hmm. You know that's what they're going to do. Some hoes going to come over there with their church hats trying to give him some whatever, some greens. No. Brother Randy, no. you going to me at church tomorrow? We're going to send, we gonna have to send Randy home before we break out the brown liquor because it's going to be a problem. Right. <laughs> Uh, so me, Maria, and Rich are inviting Randy to the cookout. Chris, you get the last vote on Randy. I vote on him going to the cookout because that nigga needs to go to a cookout. Um, so it's an I educational just kind Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he, I think he would benefit from actually uh, being around some. Uh, black folks uh and being around some just people that are um different than him and um you know i I don't i don't think randy orton is a bad person but i mean when you grow up with the kind of wrestling pedigree and wrestling privilege that he's grown up with um you it's easy to kind of you know think it's okay to call Mm -hmm. Kofi Kingston's stupid. It's easy to, you know, talk smack about um, Colin Kaepernick and all these other things without really, like, knowing entire situations, you know. So um, I, I, I think he, sh- he, he, he would benefit from going to a cookout. Okay. So in a bit of an upset, Randy Orton gets four invites to the cookout. So we got, we got three more on the list. I did want to get out of the way because I feel like everybody's going to co-sign this one, so I don't even need to – Throw it around the room, but Kevin Nash, he can come to the cookout. Big sexy in the building. <laughs> yeah. Like, like this dude, especially <laughs> the last the yeah. last year. Like Kevin Nash has surprised me maybe more than anybody in wrestling, Rich, with the way my brother came out in support of the cause. Well, my man from uh, Detroit, he know this. He ain't messing yep. around. He grew yeah, up with black people. He played basketball with black people. Played basketball. Nash, yep. if anything, yeah. he greedy. He's That's from- fine. I respect it. But now, even from like '90s, he was cool. Mid 2000s, I don't know. From that to the day that man down now, he good. He good, yeah. He uh, perpetual invite to the cookout. Uh, but the last three names on the list. This next person, I think, might be in the same boat as Randy, in that this is somebody who is in the process of learning things, hopefully. And uh, he is one of the EVPs of AEW. It's this man, Cody, Devontae Rhodes. <laughs> <laughs> Maria, well, Maria, what you got to say about this man, Cody? Oh my God. Um, where do you start? <laughs> um, yeah, I would put him in the same category. Uh, definitely a conditional invite. Mm. Um, you know, and and here's the thing: like, just because you're married to a person of color, right? It doesn't mean that you know the whole story, mm-hmm. right? Or or that you don't have more to learn in in the the grand scheme of it all um i don't think that necessarily gives you a pass uh so yeah i think educationally for sure uh for cody yeah i think i i agree maria because cody's another one who's had kind of this up and down relationship with the black community like i think for the most part 
like in his heart of hearts, Cody's a good dude, but he's also somebody who was very clueless about race until recently. Like I, I think one of the best quotes uh, in regards to him and Brandy was, you know, Cody, Cody's one of those dudes. Like, I don't see race. I don't see color. And Brandy's like, well, if you don't see color, then you don't see me because you know, this as a black woman, like I can't divorce myself from the idea of race in America. Uh, so if you don't see that part of me, you don't see me. Uh, so I think I agree. Like, I'm giving Cody a conditional invite to the cookout. Uh, his most recent promo aside, I think Cody, Cody, good people. He just got to learn some more. Uh, Rich fan, what do you think about this man, Cody Rhodes? I think, I think I'll give him the conditional. I, 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 I'm not going to go lose too much sleep over him getting a conditional. But I would say that promo was like basically running for governor of <laughs> Georgia, and I don't think it's going to be for the party we wanted mm. to be thrown with. Like, when when they first made AEW, and the first thing he wanted to do as an EVP was make sure the national anthem got played every show. Mm. I, was, I was a little much for me. Like, Randy's out of pocket because, remember, he got an AWOL, and he was ready to play the Marine until <laughs> every armed force was like, y'all can't do that. Y'all can't do that. He's like, what I do? But that's Randy. Habitual line second. Cody is the grandson of a plumber and all of those little stories that like dusty was the dude that got away with talking like a yes. black dude the most in professional wrestling but was because he had so many things that was working for him like he wasn't a pretty dude he was a heavier guy he mm-hmm. always he had a lisp he had all these things that made him he, he was human he was just a dude. Let, like let me, let me, let me tell you something, Rich like, fan. Let me tell you something, brother. My belly's <laughs> a little bit bigger. My height is a little bit bigger. But I can get down with them boogie fever boys. That was exactly. a great impersonation. And then the best thing would be the first time I heard Dusty talk with the Virgil Runnels voice when he had he brought out the Darth Vader deepness. I was like, wait a minute. This man been perpetuating for about 35 years. Let, yep. me, let me find out. But that's it. I mean, look at him. He he hooked his he hooked his son up, man. One of the last things he did in life was like, Brandy, come over here. Let me just let me just let me just get some gossip from you, baby. You should see my prince. My prince over here in the corner. He's for you, baby. And then he's like, Mufasa in the Lion King. Remember, remember. So yeah, he, he'll get it for his dad. And if he says something out of pocket, he's just not coming back. Yeah. Uh, so Chris, I know before we uh, got on the mics tonight, you had some thoughts about Cody and, and that promo in particular from a few weeks ago. So uh, what do you right. think in, in terms of Cody getting this invite to the cookout? Um, I think Cody is an ally. I think Cody is more liberal than he'd probably admit out loud. Um, that, that promo was garbage. I, th- I think Cody's problem is he cares about everybody liking him. Mm. And I think that when you get out front of a company and you, um, and it's a progressive company, you've got a trans woman um, as one of your first uh, champions. You've got, you know, uh, a, a black guy as one half of your first tag team champions, you know, that kind mm. of thing. You, you need to take a more progressive stance on issues. You know, talking about the antiquated two-party system, the, it's antiquated, but it's not antiquated because it's two parties at the moment. It's antiquated because 
one party believes in complete fairy tales and the other party is got problems, but they don't believe in complete fairy tales. And I think, you know, Cody, just everything he was saying in that promo was like, it was, I see where he was coming from, but when, when you're on this journey of being a progressive, some motherfuckers, you just got to let go. You know what I'm saying? It's mm-hmm. like if they, and I'm not saying you got to stop being friends with them or stop being cool with them. Cause I'm friends with a lot of people that I don't necessarily agree with, but they're going to know that I don't agree with them. And Cody Rhodes, um, when you try to please everybody, you end up pissing everybody off. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what, what Cody Rhodes biggest problem is. You know, he wants to, Oh, um, be patriotic at the same time and then blag about being able to make black babies on the other on the other hand it's like cody's Cody's a centrist in a world where you can't be a centrist anymore because the other side of the equation has gone so far off the deep end that like you you have to stand up against it it's just not enough to again to not be racist you got to be anti-racist and i feel like cody cody's like a lot of people in America right now, where where a lot of white people in America, let me <laughs> let me clarify, uh, where like the way things were maybe ten years ago or five years ago, even we're in a much different time now because of the way that one party in this country has gone so far that they want to take things so far back. Where it's like, yeah, man, like I get it. Like I think Chris and we've had this conversation, like politically. I'm probably more moderate than I am progressive, but this ain't a time for right. moderates. This ain't a time mm-hmm. for, you know, try to walk that line down the middle. We got to make sure stuff is right. And then then maybe once things are fixed, you can go back to being a centrist, Cody. But right now, you know, you, you got to stand up for these progressive yeah. beliefs. Um, especially on, like, these social issues. You know, mm-hmm. whatever you believe about big government, small government, that's, I don't care about that. But when it comes to, like, social issues and voting rights and things of that nature and you know going to like QAnon rallies and crap like that there's only one side of that of those issues that makes sense it really doesn't add up but um like like he had just said like you know these big ticket issues you you've got to take a stance against it it's just um it looks um suspect on the outside looking in yeah, so Co- Cody, Cody's going to be at the cookout. He's going to be that person at the cookout that gets lectured by everybody's uncle or aunt. That's, <laughs> he's got to listen to all the civil rights stories in order to get his plate. So that's what's up with Cody. We got two more, two more uh, for the cookout. And uh, I, I, I have a feeling where the votes are going to go on this. Uh, number one, another second-generation wrestler. Tessa Blanchard. Can Tessa Blanchard get an invite to this cookout? Honestly, um, no. It's a no from me. I'm just, you know, I got to be honest. Sorry about it. Yeah, I I, I would tend to agree. Like, I, I feel like, you know, everybody can make a mistake or everybody can can do it. I won't even say it's a mistake. Like, I, I think everybody can do wrong, but it's how you come back from that. And with mm-hmm. Tessa Blanchard, like, even to this point, I still haven't seen anything sincere from her that would believe lead me to believe that she is serious about 
making amends. So, uh, right. Randy yeah. said he was sorry. He apologized immediately, you know, when it was brought up. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Rich, what about you? What Are you extending an invite to uh, Tessa Blanchard on these streets? I was so thrown off. My phone just flew out of my hand. Everything just turned <laughs> off. Uh, I would say Tessa respectfully would not be getting an invite. She would, she would be told afterward, oh, I forgot. Oh, I didn't know you were in town that weekend. <laughs> My bad. I, I had to hit you up next time. Yeah. So that's three votes so far for, for no on Tessa Blanchard. Chris, what about you? Are you extending an invite to Tully's baby girl? Um, nah, not so much. Um, I just don't um, really think she would even be the kind of person I would um, want to be around. Like, I think she's the kind of person that would think you owe her an explanation. You know what I'm saying? And that's just, you know, I'm not, I don't know her personally, um, but, you know, she just, you know, just from what I've seen of her in the media, um, she would be somebody I would like to talk to, though. I can't even lie. I would want to just kind of see like um, where her head is on like these kind of things. Cause she does, you know, she, she definitely um, seems problematic in, in these um, areas, you know? Yeah. And so uh, our final, our final person that we have to litigate for the cookout. I know it's the one all the listeners out there have been waiting for, because I feel like it's going to generate a lot of emotion because you know, Maria, when you get a cookout going, you know, you invite a lot of different people from a lot of different sides of the family. You know, some young, some old, some people you ain't seen in a long time. Some, some may, you know, maybe came up in the world, got a little bit of money on them. You know, they acting different now. But uh, I, it, it truly wouldn't be a wrestling cookout if we didn't have to talk about this one person in particular. Terry Balea. Can Terry Balea oh, wow. get an invite, brother? <laughs> oh, wow. Um nah <laughs> flat out nah like for multiple reasons right um but most of all and most egregiously even with wrestlemania like you could tell that he was like really trying with with um oh with titus Tit with titus. titus i'm blanking i'm blanking on the name yeah titus o'neill like ah he was he was trying and he just tried way too hard and it's like you're you're trying to get over on TV, but in real life, what have you done to make amends? Like mm -hmm. you you haven't done anything because you don't really care about the black community, but you want people to still do the the pose with you and stuff. And it's like that time has passed. Like mm. people are socially aware and conscious now in a way that they weren't 20 years ago, and this will no longer pass. And mm -hmm. um, I, I really was happy to hear that he got booed. Um, he got the right <laughs> reaction. Yes, and. I am tired of McMahon waffling on his opinion of what happens with Mr. Belia if he goes into the Hall of Fame, if we show his face, if we don't show his face. Uh, I think we need to leave him in the past. He's not mm. relevant anymore. So so what about you, Rich fan? I know you're a little Hulkamaniac, brother. Can, can I come to the cookout, dude? Uh, the power lies somewhere else, brother. We will have a place set in honor of the macho man. We will kindly tell you to keep it moving. 
Uh, yes, excellent, excellent. Chris, I, I don't even have to ask you. I know what you're going to say, man. Can can Terry Belaya get this invite? Uh, nah, hell no, man. Um, like, um, Hulk Hogan is, um, like, he's one of those people that he thinks, like, I'm gonna. I want to talk about Booker T for a second, then bridge it back over to Hogan. Um, Booker T, um, when Triple H pulled the crap that he pulled on him, um, mm-hmm. when he was on the outs with the WWE, he was very honest about what Triple H did and stuff. But then in that recent documentary and then on, on his podcast, he's like, "Well, I don't. I didn't mind it that much. I got paid more money than I ever got paid." And it's not what you care about in this situation, Booker T. It's about the image that WWE is portraying. And with Hulk Hogan, you know, I don't care if Virgil likes him or Kamala when he was alive, God rest his soul. It, do- it doesn't matter the black people that like you. It matters the the black folks that you've offended, and not just black people that you have offended, but everybody that you offended, man. Mm-hmm. And you and he and and he, I don't think he quite seems to get that. So, like, if you're if if that is where your mind is at, then you don't. He doesn't. Not only does he not belong in wrestling, um, I don't even really know if there's a place for him in civil society. Mm. Okay, Chris. Okay, say it with the test, brother. I, I, I'll make it unanimous. <laughs> I'll go ahead and make it unanimous. Like, nah, Terry Balea is not invited to the cookout. Not this cookout. Not next year's cookout. Not the cookout ten years from now. Just mm-hmm. like, just like, just like Kevin Nash has the perpetual invite. Hulk Hogan is perpetually banned. Like, you can't come back, man. Because it's not even that he said it. Like that, the fact that he said those things. Is bad, but again, you know, like we were talking about with Tessa, how do you respond to that? And how do you make amends for that? And he has never seemed to want to make amends unless it benefits him in terms of being back on camera, being at the Hall of Fame, you know, making some money from Vince. And so, nah, nah, Terry can't come through. He probably put raisins in a potato salad anyway. <laughs> you need you need that extra protein, brother. So uh that's the cookout, y'all. Uh, and we got one more topic before we uh, wrap things up this week. Chris, what is topic number three? All right. So topic number three is ask an av- advocate. Um, so these are listener questions, and I'm looking forward to uh, hearing what they got to say, what they got to ask. All right. So our question this week comes from Faulty Rob, who was a post-wrestling cafe patron, and his question for the group is, I'm so thrilled and happy that the NWA podcast is joining the post-universe proper, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on the Saba Simba character. Even as a kid, I knew this gimmick was messed up. I feel like Vince sometimes <laughs> wants to push people, but he uses extremely stereotypical material that just ends up turning off the audience. So, Saba Sim, of course, Tony Atlas. Uh, what are our thoughts on that gimmick and Vince using gimmicks like that uh, in general? So um, on post-wrestling day, um, I brought up Kamala and the way he was used in WWE. And then some some motherfucker in the chat was like, oh, um, 
Vince didn't think of Kamala. That was Lawler. Like, yeah, dude, but Vince didn't get Kamala. He didn't hire Jim Harris and was like, you know what, Jim Harris, let's make you a doctor. He, he tripled down on the Kamala, made him afraid of coffins and whatever. I've had the chance to interview Kamala before. That, that, that Listening to this dude, he that nigga didn't like being Kamala. Um, he didn't. He, he, he liked the accolades and the fanfare that came with it. But as far as having to do that stuff, that was like a means to an end for for that brother. Um, as far as um, Saba Simba, I mean, he's kind of like it's really like tough to say with the with the older generation because you always want to respect your elders. Mm. But it's it's one of those things where you know these guys don't have like the the like the greatest um, education. You know, I don't, I, I, I don't remember, I don't, don't quote me on this, but I remember hearing something like Tony Atlas. He probably didn't even finish high school or something like that. So, um, you know, these are brothers that are just appreciate their lot in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think to, something yeah. that is important to bring up when we talk about Samba Simba is, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, Rich, but I believe at the time, like. Atlas was real down on his luck. Like he might've been homeless at the time. Like he certainly was in the midst of financial issues. So like, if it's a question between playing this extremely offensive character and getting paid or keeping my pride and living in a car, like most of us are going to choose to shuck and jive for that check. Yeah. That was operation. Keep them lights on. And Tony Atlas was in that spot where, you know, I remember when my dad saw that it was annoying. Like he, like you got this brother out here with a spear, like a, a, mm-hmm. a little spear and barefoot. Yeah. It, it was a lot. Yeah, my, my mom said the same thing. My mom wouldn't let me watch that. She did. She mm-hmm. she, she she made me turn a channel with, with with Saba Simba. I remember it like it was yesterday. She put up with like, um, you know, Virgil, even the whole train. She kind of got a kick out of you know, <laughs> but the but the Saba Simba stuff was 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 a bridge too far for her yeah i think maria like the interesting part of rob's question even more so than just the character of saba simba that vince had tony atlas play is this idea that i generally think that vince wanted to get behind tony atlas right like i think vince wanted to push this dude but this was the idea right that he came up with instead of like let's make this dude a legit strong man or let's make this guy a tough guy Let's make him a damn savage, and that's where we we ended up at. Okay, I have to kick back a little bit on that. Did did he really do that, or was he like, let me see how much I can pay a nigger to wear a spear and tribal gear and stuff? I'm not giving McMahon that kind of credit. I just can't do it. But I hope that what your your analysis is the correct one Nate but well, yeah, I, I see guess. well I think with Tony though there's something with Vince and Tony right because he's continuing because, to bring this dude back even because that nigga would that, do anything for money if you, <laughs> if you, if you, if you offer that brother a check he's gonna do what you ask him to do that's not a friend to me that's a, yeah, a, no. a puppet master playing games with your fucking money being like hey brother do this 
that's for his own amusement. He's like one of he's like that kid, that kid from that Richard Pryor movie, the uh toy. The toy. <laughs> yes. I don't I don't think this is out of the goodness of his heart. I hope I'm wrong. I but see, that's I'm the wrong. thing though. That's the thing. That's where and, and that's what I think Rob is getting at. In Vince's mind, he's doing Tony a solid. And that's part of the problem. Agree. Yeah. In his mind, he thinks he's giving him an opportunity. Mm. And and that's the value of not having people of color in, in the writing room, not letting them be a part of the conversation to develop a character. You end up with a racist trope. And not just this one in particular, but Vince is famous for this over the years. It's one of the things that I hate most about the WWE uh, whether you want to talk about Coco Beware or Yokozuna or whoever you want to talk about, throw a rock and the you'll Mexicals. hit one. Mexicals. Yeah, yeah, you'll hit one. You know, it's it's ridiculous. I don't wish death on anyone, but I, I, I hope it's quick. Um, <laughs> I hope it gets here soon uh, because that's when all of this stuff will go away. I can tell when I look at a presentation if Vince touched it or not. Mm. And if I can do that from my living room, in my pajamas and underwear, that's a problem. I shouldn't know who developed this character. I shouldn't be able to pick that out. One of the more offensive things I saw on WWE, the Hall of Fame, was when Tony Atlas was giving his Hall of Fame speech. And there's a part in there where he talks about giving, um, getting offered the, the check to be Saba Simba. And he was like, and I was happy about that, you know, and all the McMahons are in the audience laughing and just loving this. And I'm just like, so, well, who's your fucking editor, man? Edit that shit out. Don't don't show that on USA. I don't know. Again, yeah. Vince McMahon takes advantage of those individuals who may not have the best education or the best know-how, you know, and puts them in a position like Nate had said to where they become, for lack of a better word, dancing puppets mm-hmm. um, because they they don't have the ability um, to sort of think outside the box or be creative. Um, and that's where we need allies and we need um people of color in the room to help and and i'm not talking about uncle ruckus Uh, i'm talking about a real one i and i I think again like a lot of times when people think of these gimmicks and these storylines rich they think about the 80s right or even the 90s this is stuff that still is happening like there there is no reason for our brother apollo cruz to be out here having nigerian drum matches in 2021 man right I still don't know what a Nigerian drum match is. I thought it was going to be like Black Panther and you have some <laughs> dude like drumming in the center and getting closer every few minutes. But even that, that would have been problematic because like what Nigerians you grabbing from Orlando that time of year? Like mm. that's going to be some questions. And then on top of that, uh, I'm just flabbergasted at, you know, th- we don't have a gener- this generation's bad news, Alan. Mm-hmm. We don't even have, yeah. like, I take a Ahmed Johnson, like a dude who half crazy, and you just yeah. don't know. Like, he was the closest we ever came to a Scott Steiner, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, Scott Steiner right. was a dude where respect is wrestling ability. He is a psychopath, and half his promos, you didn't know if he was coming or going. Oh, but yeah. at least you knew he was. He did a lot of drugs, though. Yeah, yeah. I, that like, man I was, was high. Ahmed, 
Ahmed Johnson was a layered character, though. And I always kind of, um, he's a guy that I've interviewed before, too. And I've chat with on Facebook from time to time. I don't think Ahmed Johnson was crazy when um, they were forming the Nation of Domination. They put him in the Nation of Domination. And when he wanted to be the leader of the Nation of Domination, because that's the way he was positioned on the card. He was the black guy in that company until they hired Farouk and they put him in the nation of domination. I don't think that dude is crazy for saying, Hey, I should be the leader. Um, I could understand it from like a perspective of a wrestling fan. Who's like, Hey, Ron Simmons has more accolades than you. But as a guy who was riding high, who was like the number two or three guy in that company after Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart, why wouldn't he want to be the leader of the nation of domination if he if he's joining it? You know that just makes sense to me. So yeah, um, yeah. yeah, that Sorry makes sense though, Chris. But no, no. Yeah. One thing that I thought he was crazy was because he thought he should have got a pay raise because he was ranked high in the PWI. Yeah, yeah. They like, put you get rated in the PWI five hundred, and you you go to your boss. You're like, well, I was rated like you know one sixty five. <laughs> I need a, I, you need to come across, Vince. I'm like, yeah. He just throws a, a, a copy of the magazine on Vince's desk like it's the, the Wall Street Journal. Like, have you seen this, boss? <laughs> yeah. Stocks. Yeah, that, was, her up. That, was, that was the 96th edition of the PWI. He was, <laughs> he was break number five. Um, yeah. I remember it, yeah. Take a look at this, yeah. Vince. Hot off the presses. <laughs> yeah. Time oh. to pay your boy. <laughs> Ahmed Johnson was nuts, and he still is nuts. I, and I, and I, I would say this to him, uh, but yeah. But I, I like I like that. Like for our first question, that, that thanks uh, to Faulty Rob for that one because I do feel mm-hmm. like that's something that will come back to a lot as this show progresses. Is the idea of the prism through which your stories are written, mm-hmm. and even though the store the the lead characters in these stories maybe black or maybe latino or maybe asian or maybe female the person writing the story the lens through which these stories are, are being shown is an old white dude okay. who doesn't have a lot of friends who are not old white dudes with money mm-hmm. tell the truth why in that backstage session why are we still doing the great colleague like he needs an interpreter come on it's 2021 He's not even wrestling. What are you doing? That backstage segment. Oh my God. Set me on fire. I'm like, really? Really? Yeah. I'm done. This this company. But but this is this is uh, the type of conversation that you guys are gonna get time after time here on the Nubian Wrestling Advocates. Uh I'm excited because uh, you know, I feel like the more conversations like this we have, the more understanding. Uh, a lot of other fans will have for where we're coming from with our wrestling fandom and our wrestling critiques and our wrestling criticism uh, from time to time. So uh, before we get out of here, want to go around the horn, let everybody know where you can find these wonderful, talented, melanated people that you've been listening to for the last hour, starting with our brother, Rich Fan. Rich, where can people hear uh, more of your great work and how can they find you on social media? Thank you for that intro, Nate. You can find me on Twitter at Rich underscore Fan, F-A-N-N. And if you want to listen to anything I do, if you go to PW Torch on anything that does it, a podcast app, 
you can find my work either the East Coast cast with Travis Bryant and Cam Hawkins, the deep dive with my rotating guest, of which I would need all of y'all at some point. Because this summer is long and we got a lot to talk about. <laughs> no doubt. And then everything with Rich Fan mm-hmm. on the VIP side of the torch, which uh, I would definitely say go VIP if you got the money and you got the time. That's right. That's right. Show that man some appreciation and and uh, thoughts and prayers to our brother Cam. Uh, <laughs> Not guilty. Not guilty. Not guilty. We don't believe you. You need more people. Free Cam. Uh, Maria. Maria, we are glad that uh, you were able to join us this time out. I, I think the audience uh, feels like it was definitely worth the wait to hear your opinions on these things in the crazy world of professional wrestling. Maria, where can people hear more from you? And uh, shout out your show, your socials. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I do the Sisters with Sabres podcast. So if you've ever wondered um, how black women view Star Wars, you should check out our podcast. It's called Sisters with Sabres. Um, I also am one of the co-pilots on the Katana cast, which is a uh, multiracial and also gay trans uh, pro podcast on Star Wars as well. Um, so we've got a lot of different voices there. So the whole goal is to get non-traditional voices in the fandom elevated mm. so that we get some new fresh takes and, and get away from, you know, the, the standard practice and the standard take on Star Wars. So it's been really successful. Those are the two shows that I'm a part of. Uh, you can find me at Blurred Girl Jedi on Twitter and Instagram. Good stuff, good stuff. And I would recommend checking out, I want to say it was two episodes ago where um friend of the program, Brittany Monet from the Black Lightning Podcast, hopped on with y'all. It is a great conversation, but most decidedly <laughs> not safe for work. So in the, word, in the words of Dave Chappelle, better not bring your kids. No, don't bring your kids. But Brittany's amazing. I had so much fun with her. You know, I've been trying to get at her for a while. You know, and I was just like, I gotta come. I gotta come right. I gotta come right for Brittany. Oh like, man, that was, was like a Hogan lot of and fun. Savage. Like the mega powers was coming together. Right. Without the, without the racism from Terry. The rock and sock connection. Rock like we was getting connection. it. Yeah. I had uh, the puppet. Yeah. So definitely check out Sisters with Sabers and all the work that Maria does. Uh, brother Chris, the irate intellectual, the angry professor himself. Chris, I'm so glad that uh, we were able to get this thing started here on post. And I'm also glad that you weren't on that Moderna and Hennessy this time like you were <laughs> during post-podcast <laughs> day. Uh, where can people yeah. hear more from you, brother? And, and uh, shout out your social. All right. So I want to first give a, um, a shout out to uh, John Pollock and uh, Wei Ting. Um, I remember when I when I came out at you with this idea, Nate, and the fact that we were still doing it, and now we're on the uh, post wrestling podcast network um, is 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 just great, and um, you know it, it's 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 great to that people think that you know we're important enough to be listened to, you know, and I'm always want to get be the voice of wrestlers who might not have a voice. So I can't wait until we get deeper in this show and we start having um, guests come on and talking about their experience mm-hmm. experiences in the wrestling business. So we, we definitely are, great. spoiler alert, we definitely are working on uh, getting performers and uh, talent on the show as well so they can tell their stories. Because like Chris said, it is very, like we can talk about our opinions, but to have these men and women that are in the, in the business or in the industry to share their stories like that just adds another perspective to the conversation. 
Right. And then shout out to um, Maria. Um, and I, I do need to catch up on the um, on your um, Sisters with Sabers podcast because I haven't listened to it in a while. Um, but I'm, I'm going to um, listen to it. There, I, there, my my, my um, brain can only take so much Star Wars for some reason. I'm not like that with everything <laughs> else. But That's Star all right. Wars. It's maybe 10%. <laughs> Star Wars now. I was going to say, like, <laughs> the last few episodes, we haven't had a lot of Star Wars right. mentions. Right. I love the show, but I feel like at the, every time I listen to Sisters with Sabres, I feel like I need to go to church. <laughs> I, need to, yeah. I need to balance out the energy the, the, in my life. <laughs> you are not the only person I hear that from. They're like, this is an arousing podcast. I'm like, okay. Very stimulating conversations. And shout out to um to Rich as well. Um, full disclosure, um, I I have been a member of the uh Pro Wrestling Torch. Um, I've been a um a paying subscriber to the Pro Wrestling Torch for some years. There was a while there where I would only listen to the episodes with Rich on there because I just like, I don't know the brother, he was speaking my language more than the other hosts. Um, but now I, I do. Um, when I listen now, I, I, I don't, I listen beyond just Rich's shows. Um, and um, I um, appreciate the work that you do brother. Uh, and um, I appreciate you asking uh Tony Khan, I think it was you. It might have been Kim, but I think it, it was, was you in that press. Okay, yeah, in that pro- press conference, that was somebody needed to ask it, and I'm glad it was mm-hmm. you. So yeah, all right. So as far as I'm concerned, um, I'm still on the tail end of my uh, dissertation, so I could get uh, uh, this white people confirmation uh, called a doctorate. <laughs> uh, so uh, hopefully. <laughs> Uh, hopefully that'll happen uh, before the year is up, or at least at the beginning of the next year. Um, I have a podcast that's coming out uh, with my friend uh, Lynn Silverberg. She's a political scientist. I'm a political scientist. We're still kind of thinking of a name for it, but I'm starting to learn the um, StreamYard interface a little bit better. Um, and when that comes out, um, I think it's going to be um, a great thing. And on that show, we're just going to be talking about the political issues and the news of the day. Um, and um, it's I, I'm looking for, and we're going to it's going to be a biweekly show. So I'm looking forward to that. Follow me on Twitter at KMEasyDoesIt. Um, if you want me to follow follow you back, just say hey, follow me back. Don't be a dickhead about that kind of thing because I don't. <laughs> I don't even use Twitter that much and people, you know, so I like, I have these days when I'm on Twitter, I'll use it for like eight hours straight, but then I'll have like (laughs) six, six, seven, eight days in a row where I don't use it, you know, and people like concentrate on that one day where I'm using it like, hey man, and yelling at me and all that crap. So (laughs) it's what it is. Chris is the only person in the history of podcast that starts beef during his plugs. Just <laughs> oh, y'all yeah. can follow me, but don't be an asshole about it. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't think I'm important. I follow whoever 
back, but just don't like yell at me for not doing it in the first place. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I, I don't, you know, I, I typically talk to people that are friends on Twitter, you know, mm. like, like you, Maria, fan, like, uh, these are people that I know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, you know, these, these cats on the street, all this is still new to me, you know? You get unwanted dick pics too? You drop, <laughs> drop it in the DM? Like, you see that too? Yeah. <laughs> it's real on these Twitter that. streets. <laughs> Try yeah. being a woman on Twitter. Mm. <laughs> that no thank you. <laughs> you got to get a better angle of that little thing. <laughs> Put that in portrait mode, son. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I, I want to echo Chris's uh, sentiments, uh, you know, shouting out uh, John and Wave here post wrestling for, uh, you know, being generous with their platform because, you know, not everybody is generous with their platform. And so, you know, this show was already cool when it was over on the Patreon and you can still hear the older episodes over at the Kings of Sport Patreon, patreon.com backslash the Kings of Sport. But to be on post where we have a even bigger uh, platform to kind of talk about these things, I think is really cool. And uh, so shout out to those brothers, shout out to Andrew Thompson, part of the family here. Uh, shout out to y'all for listening, uh, you know, cause I know this is not everybody's, cup of tea when it comes to their wrestling podcast. Uh, but I appreciate y'all for checking out this uh, debut episode, I guess, on post-wrestling of the Nubian Wrestling Advocate. So uh, that's going to do it. Again, you, if you want to follow me, check me out on Twitter at in the number 8 M-O-Z-A-I-K at Nate Mosaic. Uh, that's where you'll find out more information about the shows I do. Of course, again, Patreon, if you want to support a brother financially, you know, and show your love through monetary means, I'm not going to stop you. Not in this economy. <laughs> Not, not in this economy, Maria. Maria, we still in the middle of a pandemic. Right. Uh, so, Get the bag. So y'all y'all want to slide me five dollars just to, to show your appreciation? I'm not going to stop you. But uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back. We'll be back next month with an all new edition of the Nubian Wrestling Advocates. Real quick before we go, one last question, guys. Rapid fire. Tony Khan, cookout? Yes or no? Yeah, um, think of something to do with your with your black wrestlers, my, my dude. But but yeah, sure. Rich, I'm gonna say yeah because Tony probably gonna wind up like buying a restaurant and bringing it to us. Yeah, yes. It's like it's like yeah. I heard about this one place. He's like Batman. I heard about this one place in like South Alabama, <laughs> so I just bought it and had it flown up here. You know, it's in Pittsburgh now. It's fine. Who brought a Waffle House to the cookout? Oh, that's just Tony. Tony being Tony. Maria, can Tony come to the cookout? I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with yeah. I'm, I'm gonna let it slide. Yeah. I'm look. I'm saying yeah because like Chris can be bought with shoes. I can be bought with money, and Tony got a lot of money. Plus, he could probably give me like season tickets to the Jaguars. So yeah, Tony, come on to the cookout. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah but yeah. If you could get me season tickets to the Broncos, I'd yeah. be happy. All right. <laughs> he, could, he could probably buy you the Broncos at this point, Chris. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Nubian Wrestling Advocates. Uh, again, want to thank Rich Fan for coming through. want to thank Sister Maria for blessing us with, with her presence and her perspective this week. Uh, and uh, we'll be back next month with an all-new edition of the Nubian Wrestling Advocates. So... 
For the professor, Chris from L.A., I am the godfather, Nate Milton. And remember, the revolution may not be televised, but it damn sure will be podcasted. It's for the culture and we repping it. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.